You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey friends, great to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned and stay encouraged. We've got a rendezvous with destiny. And if that's a little bit different of intro for you, it's because you are a more to the story podcast guy with Andy Miller, who's here with us today. Absolutely. And we're doing this kind of jointly, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Combining two podcasts. And ours, of course, is the life-changing discipleship podcast with Matt Friedman. So we're going to throw out a couple of advertisements here. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to do mine first and I'm going to let you do yours. First off, uh, I'd really like for you to check out uh, the 5qdiscipleship.com quick startup guys. Some of you have been hearing about this 5Q discipleship. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, Andy yeah. has done some 5Q Absolutely. discipleship group. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's really going well. Thousands and thousands of uh, people are in this group all across the world right now. And we just want you to get in on it. So if you're wondering, what is this? You can check it out at 5Q, that number five, the actual number, 5QDiscipleship.com. And uh, get a quick start guide. And I think if you get, I, I showed it to you yesterday, it looks Andy. Beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And it gives you the cards necessary to have your own group and this have is free, Matt. Ah, uh, yes, oh, it no. is free. I it do free things. You do. Free. Andy, I do free things. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, if you want to buy something, and some people say, you know, I, I like this thing so much, I want to buy something. Well, you can go and check out the book. Uh, the 5Q Method of Discipleship at Amazon.com. So that's my ad for the day. Andy? And I'm going to tap into your five because I like emphasizing the number five. So you have the 5Q. Okay. I have five steps to deeper teaching and preaching. So what this is, is a little guide. It's an eight-page PDF document and a 45-minute teaching that's available from me. It's something that I take like my preaching students through to help develop content mm. in a way that inductively approaches the Scripture but creatively thinks about how to present to an audience that we're serving. So that's available if you sign up for my email list at andymillerthe3rd.com. Andy Miller, I, I, I. I'll go ahead and commend that to you. First off, Andy's a tremendous communicator for my side of the audience. His side of the audience, everybody knows that. My side of the audience here, you may not know that. And Andy is a great communicator, knows how to put things together, and teaches preaching at Wesley Biblical Seminary. Which is our sponsor as well, right? Yeah. Wesley Biblical well, Seminary. We ain't here. If it ain't for them, that, that's for sure. So anyway, great stuff. Listen, I like to usually talk about an issue before we get Let's to the thing. Yeah. And you are the thing today. Uh, well, thanks for saying so. So we're going to do five discipleship principles from the book of, and I'll I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, <laughs> but we're going New Testament today, Yes, and it's your wheelhouse, so okay. we're, we're excited about that. First off, real quick, I, w I want to get to this. I saw an article in Christianity Today. Uh, I actually was zipping through today and saw this. I thought, isn't that interesting? Uh, and the, the name of the article, Andy, was, Our Pulpits Are Full of Empty Preachers. Mm. Tens of thousands of pastors want to quit, but haven't. So what's going on? And uh, when I thought of that, empty preachers, I thought of T.S. Eliot, the hollow man, the empty man, blown to and fro by the wind. Mm -hmm. And this is what the, the CT article said, that apparently um, in January of 
2021, 29% of clergy had thought about quitting. Mm. But less than a year later, 38% were thinking about quitting. Wow. That's stunning. We're right. talking about a third and more of our clergy out there thinking, wow. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Now, this is what, by the way, everybody picked up on this. The Washington Post picked up on it, the Wall Street Journal. They're calling it the great ministry resignation that they think is on the horizon. Yeah. But this whole article is 25 pages long. Uh, they say it's reason to think that the more likely alternative is that pastors aren't going to quit nearly so much right. as that. And that's even more right. Hint, concerning. The empty, pre empty preachers concept. That title is really interesting. Our pulpits are full of empty preachers. Normally you think our our pulpits are empty, right? You think the pulpit's being empty, but it shifts that language to say empty preachers. Okay, let's go real quick. I'll just yeah, yeah. off at the top of our head, why? Uh, you've done a significant amount of pastoring. I'm a, currently a pastor. I've right. been, been doing it for uh, 22 years as a, at, the, at the current church I'm at. Why are guys apparently burned out, yeah. gals as well, why are people burned out and thinking about quitting? Yeah, it's interesting because as this has happened, this has been a phenomenon. Some people call it the great resignation, that what's happened since 2020 as a result of COVID. I think some people see that as a cause. But as this happens, you wonder what is leading people at place. But the challenge for preachers, and I've heard this from many people, I've made a transition in that period as well. I didn't transition out of ministry or out of preaching, but I left full-time kind of like local church ministry for serving in a seminary. And so people have talked to me over the last year and wondering about that change. The challenge is there aren't many places for preachers to go. I think that that's part of why people aren't, they, there might be people who are thinking about leaving, but aren't leaving. Yeah. What do I do if I don't do this? Right, right. I mean, you go to school for this, you get trained for this, you do this for a while, and guess what? There's not a lot of other executive positions that are going to want you because you've got church experience. Right, absolutely. And, and while that does have executive experience and skills that people have learned, it's not easy to convince people in the business community that that's a transfer. But also, like, the fulfillment of it. Like, I think one of the challenges, and maybe you're going to get to this, is that why, why are people in a place where they want to leave? Well, there certainly are pressures in the local church. But at the same time, is there something happening with the empty preacher? Like, why are we empty? Hmm. And I think that that's probably the thing that needs to be challenged the most. Okay. I, I think the reason for this is going to come right out of our five things I would do if I were the burned out pastor okay. right now. Yeah. And uh, how to hang in there when you just feel like I want to quit. Yeah. And I think these five things, I think are tremendous antidotes. I want, I want you to speak into them. The first one, actually, I think all of these are obvious. None of them are rocket science, but we're not doing them. Mm, that's it. So you can say all you want about vitamins and minerals and a right. healthy diet, but if you're not eating a healthy diet, knowing about it isn't yeah, really helpful. That's right, right. So these are things we know about. We're just not doing them. First off is what, what we call the means of grace, and that's yes. basically the spiritual disciplines of having a regular uh, time with the Lord every day. Uh, you know, Jesus, we suspect, had three times of these. Three times they would go to the temple during the day. If they couldn't get there, they'd stop wherever they were. They would face the temple, mm -hmm. and they'd go through a list of benedictions and a, a tack on a prayer. All Jews were doing that at the time of Jesus. We know Jesus was doing that. So three times a day for him, probably something that equaled uh, an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, That was normative for Jesus, and he had an extraordinary <laughs> life where yeah. if you're not doing that, you're going to get burned out. But what I'm fascinated by is 
the number of pastors that will say, well, I'm not really doing that. Right. In, in the last year since I've been serving this role, I've done more events for pastors, and I'm often surprised at how many people will admit, just like freely offer it up, that they don't have a personal quiet time. And I think one of the antidotes to this is seminary education. The seminary education in the spirit that we offer here at Western Biblical Seminary, if somebody comes through our seminary program, they are going to be put in a position that in order to get a good grade, in order to get a, pass a class, they need to have a regular quiet time. They need to be able to spend time in Scripture. Right. And, and when you ask people, and like honestly, if a pastor's listening to this and they're wondering, like, I'm feeling burnout, I honestly ask you, how is your quiet time? Right. Do you have one? Are you spending time with the Lord daily? Right. So the means of grace have two sides of them, as far right. as we can tell. Uh, the, the first side is piety. So the works of yes, piety. Yes. The piety of prayer, it's uh, uh, searching the scriptures, it's fasting, something that almost no American does. Right. It's regular fasting. And for the early church and for the early Methodists, that was twice a week, mm. Wednesday and Fridays. They fasted. Uh, so it's fasting, it's scripture meditation, it's being in a small group yes. and in a large group. They call it Christian conferencing in the day. But on the whole, what that meant was I'm part of a regular fellowship and part of a small group. So right. that's the works of piety. The other one I think is too often neglected are the works of mercy. Yes. To go to some place in your community where there are desperate and needy people and spend an hour or two a week. Yeah. And those two things together... It, it's powerful. That's how you can be with Jesus. Yes. And, you know, the work somebody say, I work with Jesus doing a work of mercy, all contraire. Mm. And as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Right. You want a personal relationship with Jesus, go serve him in the poor. Yes. And that personal relationship will be magnified. Yes. So I just would say the works of mercy, the works of piety, we, we call together the means of grace are exceedingly important for all people. Right let alone pastors that feel out uh, feel like they're burned out right now. The second thing I would say is this. I think every pastor needs a pastor's group. Mm -hmm. And by the way, by Zoom, this is easier than ever before. Absolutely. Twice a week. I, I don't know why I, I get to have two of these, but I have two excellent. One's a, a, a basically, a, well, actually they're both former students that feel more like peers to me. But on Monday and on Friday, I get together with two groups of pastors that fortify my soul. Yes. We do a 5Q group, by the way. Okay. But in that 5Q group, we're doing real sharing and confessing, and these are my struggles. It's a yes. beautiful thing. Well, let me jump in, because one thing I think would be helpful for people to think about, particularly lay leaders who are listening to these podcasts, you might say, well, what does this have to do with me? Here's, as a pastor, I loved it when my the people I was serving. I, I try not to say my people, but they would come to me and say, how are you taking care of yourself? Yep. Uh, here, here's what you, are, are you, look, I'm glad to put that out there. And if you can encourage people to, you can encourage your pastor to make sure this is happening and even provide some accountability to your pastor. Yeah. And forget about your pastor. Do, <laughs> it, for, do it for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. L yeah. Listen, th this is important for, and that, that was going to be the kicker, but you got, I'm sorry, you got to the, the kicker before the kicker. And that is if you want to be an awesome layman or a non burned out layman, yes. do these things. Amen. Amen. You need a group of people you can get together and share with. Uh, the third thing is simply this and everybody's going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But stay healthy, get healthy. Hmm. You know, uh, we all could lose some weight. Uh, for the most part, most of us need to lose some weight. Uh, we probably need to start eating better. Uh, we need to get more sleep. That's just the healthy dynamic there that is so Less TV. 
Is that one of your uh, points too? It's no. Uh, uh, drop uh, off the maybe maybe say I don't need to pay for uh, Netflix. I, I'm gonna uh, uh, hang on just a minute, boy. You you step in uh -oh, something right uh -oh. there. Oh, I got Screen, Matt going. Screen time of all kinds. Yes. Do the screen time you need to do, not the screen time you want to do. Right. Uh, we got a new book coming out here real soon called The New Discipleship in the Home. has a whole chapter on that. Okay. And if you want to destroy your kid's brain, give them a screen and say, have at it. Wow. Yeah. But uh, same thing I think would go for us. Good good stuff there. The, the fourth thing is you've got to have a good theology of God in order to stay in tune to the pastor or, or to your lay uh, work. And, and basically that means... You need to know that you're surrounded. Uh, gave, a, gave a sermon on this to Wesley Biblical Seminary a lot long ago. You are surrounded. So when you get into Christianity, know you're surrounded by evil. Mm. You're surrounded by the devil. You're surrounded by his demons. You yes. are surrounded. A lot of people get into Christianity, or by extension, they get into the ministry thinking, man, this is going to be so great. <laughs> you know, this is just going to be joy and love and and when I go into the pastor, my people go, now, they might not like the last guy, but the last guy can't preach like I oh, can preach. Oh, man, just you know? wait till they hear me. <laughs> wait till they hear me. Wait till they get a hold of my personality. Everything's going to go great. And they forget something. You're surrounded by evil. Mm. Now, it might not be mm. your lay people, but sometimes it is. Yeah. But you are surrounded. But the good theology comes to this. You have a greater surrounding. Yes, amen. And God. And so... In the Psalms, for instance, there's that word surround, 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 and it talks about both dynamics. You're surrounded by evil, surrounded by difficulty, surrounded by you know, the devil himself, but you are surrounded by God. Amen. You're surrounded by truth and righteousness, and you've got to recognize, boy, when I signed up for this Christianity thing, or when I signed up for this ministry thing, I signed up to be surrounded. Yes. I love that. I love that imagery. I'm surrounded. If we can uh, pull that power into these difficult points, I think that that's what God can use to help us so we're not empty pastors. So um, well, one last thing here. We need to become a people of thanksgiving. Mm. So this is, uh, I, I shared with a discipleship group not long ago. You know, I've started a new discipline. I've, I've decided I'm going to write down every morning three things I'm thankful for. So start doing it, and I shared that with them. And the, uh, one of the guys was a former prisoner. He said, well, I'll tell you what I did every morning. He what says, say? I, uh, before my uh, feet ever hit the floor, I would, he went down on his knees, so his feet hadn't hit the floor yet. His toes had, his feet hadn't. He said, before my soles hit the floor, I would give thanks to God for 20 things. Amen. I said, wow. well, 20 is better than three, no question about it. Then I read something awesome, and uh, it was this. And you're not going to get any meaning out of this at all when I read it. But it's Exodus 38, verses 27. The 100 talents of silver were used to cast the bases for the sanctuary and for the curtain. 100 bases for the 100 talents, one talent for each base. You're thinking, excuse me? Mm -hmm. There were 100 sockets that served as a foundation for the sanctuary. Mm. So ancient Jewish wisdom started teaching, therefore, wow, Matt. there... Good. Ought to be a hundred blessings coming out of your mouth every day because that's the foundation for holiness. Hmm. I started to try to do that. Do a hundred. hundred. Okay. I'm going down the road. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the color green. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the red light that says stop. That is the rule of law. I thank you for the rule of law. Wow. Thank you, God, for when you say go, 
because that's one of the chief words of the New Testament, thank you for going. And I just start thinking stuff. I just let my mind drift and go, and wow. it's, it's, it's a blast. Oh, I love it. So, okay, what is three to 20 to 100? And uh, do that 100 times a day, and uh, your mind starts thinking on a whole different level. So check out that 5qdiscipleship.com uh, quick start guide. I think you'll really like that. Uh, folks, that's one of the ways you can stay healthy is do that with other pastors, do that with other laymen, do it with other people. And sometimes, uh, Andy, I've got like uh, seven or eight of those groups going a week. Wow. Feeds my soul. I'm excited to have you on the program today because, Andy, you are going to share with us something we've been doing uh, across the last several uh, weeks of this program, and that is five things out of a certain book of the Bible. Yeah that are discipleship lessons for us today. Right. So you happen to be an expert on the book of Jude. That's right. Jude. Now, how many verses does Jude have? It's only 25 verses. So in the can whole you book. squeeze five discipleship I, principles I out of Jude? I did Deuteronomy a few months ago, so that was a, a little easier. I had a lot more material to work with. Okay, we're going to bracket this. with start First start off saying you're doing something right now with the book of Jude that is an offer to people, right? Right, absolutely. This has been an interesting thing. I never dreamed that I would come to love this little book so much. But I'll tell you, Matt, before I started to study Jude, I had a Judeless Christianity. And I've got to tell you, I just love this book. Yeah. I and, and part of the reason, here's what my experience was with Jude. I would read it in my quiet time once a year, probably one day I would read it, and it'd take me two minutes to read it. And I'd it's read the beginning, read the end, look at the middle, and the middle was crazy to me. And I'm going to bring up some of that craziness. But if you get behind what Jude is trying to do, what he's trying to communicate to his audience, I found that it's incredibly powerful Good. for our time. So that's part of my, uh, there. Michael Green, an apologist from the UK, was somebody I found really interesting. He said that as long as sin is rampant, as long, and he has this long list of problems in the world, he says the letter of Jude will be uncomfortably and burningly relevant. Wow. Okay. So you are offering this. To oh, right. I didn't even say no, what no, I'm doing. that's okay. Yeah. Well, let's set it up. At the end of this, you're gonna we're gonna tell people how they can plug into this right. for their small group. Well, individually for their small group or for the whole church. That's right. Yeah. So I have a, I have a study that's available at andymillerthird.com, and so it walks people through it's five hours of content, discussion guides, discussion forums uh, that leads people through this book. So you know, I talk about it, I'm going to talk about it here, like in five to ten minutes. Right. But I have five hours available. Um, at my website. So five discipleship principles from the book of Jude. Number one, Andy uh, Miller. The very first one is flexibility. Now these kind of blend together discipleship and spiritual formation all together. One of the things that people don't realize about Jude that's incredibly helpful is that Jude did not want to write this letter. Hmm. He starts off by saying in verse three, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share. He said, I wanted to do this. He then says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And then he goes through all of these challenges. Now, look, this is relevant to us at this point because particularly as it relates to the sexual revolution and the way our society is trending, mm. I don't want to be somebody who has to talk about issues of sexuality on a regular basis. I don't want to talk about rather or not truth exists in the world. The, look at the challenges of modernity, post-modernity, where our culture is. But you know what the, the job of the disciple is? Is to live in their time. Mm. That God's called us to this point. So we have to be flexible in these days. I would rather write about the salvation we all share. But instead, 
because of the situations that have come. And what the situation is in Jude's, for Jude's audience is that a group of what Richard Bauckham calls itinerant charismatics have secretly slipped in and are promoting, kind of just a big word, antinomianism. But the idea that our faith, our, our, that God's grace is a license to sin, that God's grace just gives us, you know, like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. I like this thought. I don't want to deal with this issue, but I kind of got to. You have to. So yeah. I got something like this in my life. Okay. You know, there's a Supreme Court case recently <laughs> that uh, overturned Roe v. Wade. We don't want to talk about abortion. No. Yeah. Who wants to do that? And who wants to show up out at the abortion clinic? Now, that abortion clinic in the Supreme Court case was here in Jackson, Absolutely. Mississippi. Yeah. It's not three miles from my house. Right. I don't want to go out there. <laughs> That's not, you know, I'm a respectable guy. I don't like to do these kinds of things. Right. And you go out there and people don't like you because you're out there. I'm not sure. They either. take pictures of you. They you know, I've been pictures. out there. As soon as they oh. get out there, taking pictures of my children. International yeah. media stuff. It's just crazy. But, and I'm not gifted for it. That's mm. not where I'm gifted. Sure, sure. And yet, there's the issue. Right. It's, it's three miles from my house. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be leading a people to topple unrighteousness in our culture. What am I going to do? Yeah, that's contending. You do it anyway. You contend. You get in that. And that's the same thing we deal with with all kinds of issues. We can list them by the hundreds. But with abortion, with sexuality, yep. it's, a, it's a pastor's job. It's a, it's a disciple maker's job to be able to engage the people they're discipling about the nature of human sexuality as it's revealed in Scripture. Flexibility is number one. Number two. Keeping. Keeping. This is a word that's underrated in Scripture, but it's a word that comes all throughout Jude. Now, it's I can say all throughout, even though it's 25 verses. So he begins <laughs> by saying, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept mm. for Jesus Christ. And then he, later, he contrasts this by the way he talks about the angels. He says, they did not, the angels who we would assume become demons who are fallen angels did not keep mm. their proper positions and so then he, he then says something later he says they have been kept in darkness but then at the end of the letter he uses that word keep two more times he says it's our jobs to keep ourselves in the most holy faith now this kind of emphasizes this dual focus that we have God's initiative in bringing us to a place of saving grace, but we have a role to in the relationship, a relationally significant task of keeping ourselves, maybe through the five things that we just talked about that pastors need to do, keeping ourselves in the most holy faith. And then he concludes in a great way that mostly people, the way I knew Jude was through the last two ver- three verses. Now to him who is able to what? Keep you. Hmm. Keep, and what, is, what can he keep you from? Stumbling. This is the powerful message that you and I believe, that there's never a time in our life where we have to sin. Why? Because if we allow God to keep us, we do not have to fall mm. into sin. Good word. Good word. What's the shepherding implications of keeping? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there's also this side uh, where the, the keepers you know, have a responsibility to ensure that the people we're serving are protected. You know, this is one interesting thing. Like, Jude didn't want to write this letter. Like he had, to, he had to fight for his people. The shepherd has to occasionally take the staff and hit some wolves in the head. Hmm. And I think that that's, a, that's the implication here, is that Jude had to step up and decide, I'm going to protect this, this group. I'm going to keep them in the fold. Yeah, I like, I like both emphases. You need to do some things to keep yourself, by the grace of God, in his hand. Right. But you probably need to have somebody looking over your life, right? Right. Also, you need to be looking over someone's life. So yes. I, I guess that's trifold. So good stuff. Okay, so 
First discipleship principle, flexibility. Second discipleship principle from the book of Jude, keeping. Number three. And the third is connected to keeping. And I I think you're going to love this because it's the works of piety, works of mercy. Mm -hmm. Snatching. Snatching. Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? Interesting thing that happens as we get to the pivot that comes in Jude in verse 20. After he kind of describes a problem that exists, he then says, but you, dear friends, you need to keep yourself. We just talked about that. Well, keep is the main verb in that sentence. And then there are four participles that support that that verb. And you can it could be translated with an ing, ing. So how are people kept by building, mm. praying, waiting, or, or hoping, looking for something. And then the final thing that he says, it comes in verse 23, save others by snatching. So how is it that, and, okay, snatching them from the fire. So this is where Fanny Crosby gets the idea in Rescue the Perishing, you know, snatch them in, in pity from sin in the grave. Um, my denomination, the Salvation Army, talks about, like, the, our call to save other people. We need to snatch, go do some work. Like, snatching helping people to lead to a place of getting out of hell, quite frankly, is a part of the way we're kept. So it's not just in building, praying, hoping, but also snatching. Snatching is a key part of the Christian faith. So uh, how do you do that? How do you snatch? Oh, well, I think that this is is a challenge. We need to witness. We need to tell other people. We need to do what we can to contend for the souls of people who are around us. And I say souls is kind of a, a picture of the broad person as a whole, that we believe that if, if you affirm that there is such a thing as hell in the world, that, that will come at some point, rather whatever form it might take, right. like we want to save people from hell. And so for the discipleship, spiritual formation emphasis is like you're not being a disciple if you're not snatching. You need to snatch other people from the, the direction of moving towards hell. I just think it's interesting. There, there's a number of ways you could snatch. You could physically put your hands on people yeah, and yeah. snatch them. You could yell at them to snatch them. You could... I think the most powerful weapon to snatch someone is love. Mm. Well, of course, Jude says, snatch them from the fire. To others, show mercy ah, mixed with fear. Very nice. Snatching isn't just like, yeah, snatching is a loving act. Yeah, it is a loving act. And sometimes it might include yelling or <laughs> grabbing, you know. But on the whole, I, I think a love is a powerful, powerful weapon to actually for all these things. Flexibility, keeping, snatching, they're all covered by love and one way or another. Okay, number four. Or number four. This is so good stuff. This good is where stuff, it gets Andy. a little complicated, but this is what keeps people away from Jude, is the verse that talks in verse 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What's going on? I know. This is the craziest <laughs> verse. Like, didn't you remember? You, did you teach your kids to memorize this verse? I, I uh, never... I know. Okay, so here's what's happening. Like, there's, and if you want more on this, I actually talk with Caleb, your son, Caleb Friedman, Dr. Caleb Friedman, and I have 45 minutes that I offer in this session where we talk through the the Jewish sources that lead to this. But essentially, there was a Jewish document that existed that was called the Assumption of Moses that details the fact that there was likely this moment where Michael, the archangel Michael, and the devil disputed Satan's body. But here's the point is that Michael was clearly in the right in this moment. He could have done anything he wanted to, to say. Like, he had the authority to say to Satan, no, you're wrong in this situation. But instead, what is it that Michael does? He says, I'm going to lean on the Lord and not my own understanding. He's saying, the Lord rebuke you. 
He comes in this situation where he doesn't depend on his own experience. So discipleship for us, and as we're serving other people, we don't depend upon ourselves. Instead, we rest in the judgment. We rest in the mm. way that God has already revealed himself. So we say, the Lord rebuke you. And, and when there's problems in the world that we can't control, we're going to contend for them as best we can. But ultimately, we depend upon the justice of God. Wow. So I, I love this because just on a very practical level, there's some things that I, Matt Friedemann, can't do. Mm. I can feel about them. I can pay attention to them. But at the end of the day, there's not much I can do about it. It's nice to know we get on a whole higher plane higher. that's so, what i say higher plane. yeah you didn't say that word yet. so I'm sorry yeah, yeah no it's so flexibility is keeping it's snatching a get on a higher plane right and know that there is a god that has taken care of business there's a higher truth than you hmm. and so like we want to land a, high, a higher plane as i have found lord plant my feet on solid ground there's a song i know it sounds pretty good doesn't that's it? very nice that. yeah okay so you're doing great all right now it might not flexibility, be flexibility keeping snatching get on that higher plane of truth and Number no, five. Now, you're going to have to let me explain this. Don't abuse angels. Uh, <laughs> what? No. Okay. But in the very same way, verse 8. On the strength of their dreams, talking about these people who have secretly slept in, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Heap abuse on celestial beings. Don't abuse angels. Now, now, we have to get back in the idea of what Jude's audience would have thought about angels. Now, here, I'm going to break this all down. I do it in a long way in my recent study, which will be a book, hopefully, in a few months as well. Uh, Jewish, the Jewish understanding of angels were they were the ones who delivered the law, delivered the written word to Moses. And so you even see this in Stephen, like he, in, in Hebrews 2, Stephen in Acts 7, talk, like acknowledge the fact that the New Testament understanding is that the, the law given to Moses came through angels. So if that's the case, if angels delivered the law, and if these people are living as if God's grace is a license to sin, they don't need the law, right? They don't need any of the things that God has already prescribed, God's written word, that they can live by themselves, then the idea is that when we live outside of the law, it's as if we are hurting, hmm. abusing the messenger and the message itself. Wow. So that, that's kind of like, and now I, I go into this in greater depth to explain this, but the idea is like, if we are going to heap abuse, like if we're going to, if we are going to move against God's law, it's like we're hurting angels. Wow. So, you know, live within God's law. So the idea is God has revealed himself clearly through the scripture of the Old New Testament. It's the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. So when we move against that law, we're putting ourselves in a position where we are in grave danger. Flexibility, keeping, snatching, get on the higher plane and don't abuse angels. And some of you thinking right now, man, I just need some more teaching on that. And, and guess what? <laughs> we have an opportunity for you. So tell them one more time yeah. here. How but they can plug into the Andy Miller exegesis of the book of Jude. That's right. So it's called Contender. It's a six-week study with the 25 to 30-minute lessons that are video-based. And then you can um, you can get this for your small group, your, for your church as a whole. And we walk through this. And if you think I went through it too fast, I explain it in a little bit more lucid way. Well, six-week way, yeah. Yeah, six weeks. So we have some time to walk through this. And I think it's really powerful to help us be contenders for our time. So it's going deeper in the book of Jude. So thanks so much for letting me plug that here, Matt. Always an honor to have you. And I, I like doing these joint podcasts. You, you yeah, like this okay? Yeah, I do. I do. I, do you like it? Yeah. I, no, I th listen, any exposure I can get to the more to the story <laughs> podcast audience, 
is a it's it's a boon of a day for me. And the same thing with Trent with disciples. What are you doing? Disciples. See, you don't even know the name. <laughs> you have a paper. It's life changing. Life changing discipleship. Life changing discipleship podcast, Andy. And uh, listen, if you want the quick start guide, five key discipleship dot com. All right, it's a wrap. Been an honor to have you listen to life changing discipleship podcast with Matt Friedemann. Check out our Facebook page, Life Changing Discipleship, and check out our books at Amazon.com. So always, always tell other people about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life Changing Discipleship today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples, and God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. Hey.